0: The United States and England have a rivalry that goes back for a while. Fortunately for those of us who like good stories and high-profile matchups, the USMNT and England were drawn into the same group at the World Cup, Group B. We learned about the U.S.'s first group stage opponent yesterday when we did a deep dive into Wales. Today, we're learning about England, the team that the U.S. will face on Black Friday. To get us up to speed on England ahead of their matchup with the U.S., I called up Michael Cox, who writes about soccer tactics and strategy for The Athletic. Michael is probably the foremost soccer tactics writer. He literally wrote the books on it. He was kind enough to walk us through England, their recent struggles, and their outlook for this tournament. Plus, Michael gave us his thoughts on the USMNT. I'm Joe Lowry, and welcome to the Backheel Show, where we bring you unique coverage of the USMNT in just 10 minutes or less. So hang out with us while you plan out how to schedule your Black Friday shopping around USA, England, or while you stand in front of a mirror trying to pull off Gareth Southgate's dress shirt and tight vest combo. Here at Backheeled, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long— doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. So let's get to it and talk soccer. I'm now joined by The Athletics' Michael Cox. Michael, thank you so much for being here. How are you?
1: I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk England here, shall we? So England are Favorites to win Group B with the U.S. and and Wales and Iran. And also when you look at the betting odds, they're one of the favorites to win this whole darn tournament. But Michael, they haven't won in their last six matches. What has been going wrong for England over the last few months building up to this tournament?
1: Yeah, it's a strange one. I, I don't think much has been going right, to be honest. And I think that's worrying because when everything starts to go wrong, you do tend to worry whether there's a root cause, whether there's just a kind of, you know, getting to the end of this era with this manager. I'm not sure there's anything specific I can pinpoint as that's the problem or that's the problem. It's it's just everything hasn't quite clicked, really. I think the the defence, which has been reliable at the last two major tournaments, has now seems prone to individual errors. I think there's a question about, or there was a question about which formation England will use. I think it's more likely now in the knockout stages, if they get there, they will use a back five. And just the attack isn't really clicking either. I mean, Raheem Sterling has been so good for England in tournaments and really over the course of his England career, but he hasn't looked at his best either. So there's just a kind of general malaise, I think, in the team that, uh, yeah, we're not particularly positive in England, I don't think, compared to the last two tournaments about uh, the chances of success.
0: I'm curious about how much the group factors into that, because I don't know how much you've thought about this, but Group B for me is fascinating in my mind at this World Cup, because None of the teams from what I've watched and from what I know about the U.S. really open up and play, or at least when they do open up, don't do it particularly well. With with that in mind, with all this conservatism in mind, do you think that this group is a good one for England or a a bad one?
1: No, I I kind of agree with what I think you're hinting at, which is that it's a bit of a bad group, um, (laughs) because I think England are better when they can play on the break, when they can attack into space. And kind of even beyond the tactical side of things, I just think... I don't think Wales is good for England. You know, I think that that, it does make it a different type of game. It gives it a kind of Derby feel. The game England and Wales played in Euro 2016 was a real tight one with Wales leading for a long period. I mean, yeah, my feeling about the group is pretty much the same as as yours. And I would still back England to finish top if I had to predict. But it it feels to me like it might be a kind of 5-5-4-1 kind of group. Like a couple of draws not many goals not many great games um i think iran are not a great side but i think they're going to be difficult to break down and the us i think i think them and england could kind of cancel each other out and yeah i kind of just i i've almost predicted in my mind kind of a repeat of the usa england game from 2010 a repeat of the england wales game from uh 2016 and iran who we haven't played for a long time maybe ever i'm not sure off the top of my head but Against teams like that, I think Algeria in 2010, I think of Tunisia, England aren't really good in games like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure that the group draw particularly helps England.
0: Okay, so we've gone down the negative side for England a little bit here. (laughs) And you mentioned some players that hadn't been performing all that well in in recent history. Are there any players you think, Michael, that are going to have like an unexpectedly large positive impact for England in this tournament? Maybe if they make it out of the group stage, players that could do something unexpected in the knockout rounds?
1: Yeah, I'd put Bukayo Saka into that category. I mean, he's hardly an unknown and obviously, unfortunately, was the full guy at uh, at the Euros last year. But he's one of those players who he he just seems to perform for England. I know it's a simple thing to say, but I mean, you could argue he's not on the level of uh, Foden or, Grealish people have their own opinions on that but I don't think there's much arguing that at international level Saka has played the best and he played really well in a three-all draw with Germany in the last Nations League game he came off the bench and was just England's best player I guess the player who's probably made most progress since the last year is is Jude Bellingham who everyone knows is doing really well at Dortmund I think he's likely to start in part because Calvin Phillips isn't going to be fit and the kind of wild card I suppose is James Madison who's only got one cap but is in great form at club level so there's a few reasons for positivity but I I haven't quite seen them work as a unit yet and I think we know what Southgate's all about he's going to be quite faithful to the players who have played at the previous two tournaments and unfortunately amongst them I think there's a few players who are kind of off form
0: Let's talk about England USA on Black Friday for us here in the States. <laughs> you mentioned that these teams might sort of cancel each other out. How do you think Michael Gareth Southgate will approach that match? And can you explain a little bit more of what you mean by these teams canceling each other?
1: I just feel like they're, they're pacey teams. I think they're teams who probably want the opponents to come onto them and attack into space. In In terms of how England will set up, I'm not quite sure what formation they'll use. Like I say, I think in the knockout stages against the real top teams, if England get there, I think Southgate will use a five at the back. I think there's a possibility he plays a four at some points during the group stage. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, England can't play completely reactively during that game because I don't think the US will open up and let them. So there's got to be some emphasis upon dominating possession and trying to take the game to the US. The area where I'd be... I suppose hopeful from an England perspective would be the wide areas just because I think England have such good options there. And I think the US have a couple of fullbacks who are, are very speedy, very good going forward, good technically, but at times can kind of switch off defensively. So that's, you know, p- potentially with Kane coming short and playing balls in behind, that's maybe the area where I I'd, I'd think England would, would look to try and exploit But yeah, I feel like it might be a relatively slow start to the tournament. And England do have a habit of just drawing their opening games in tournaments. I wouldn't be surprised if something similar happened again.
0: Michael, as you've gotten ready for this tournament and as you've been getting ready to watch this group, do you have any other thoughts on the U.S. team? Obviously, a young generation of players, many of of, of whom are in Europe. What do you think of this new generation and sort of what's your perception of this team, of this U.S. team coming into Qatar?
1: Well, I'm quite excited to see them, really, because, I mean, we don't get to see, you know, much much North American football outside of the World Cup. And obviously, America uh, was not there four years ago. I mean, it's a good generation. Uh, I feel like at the moment maybe hasn't quite clicked and reached its full potential. And I know there's a couple of areas of the pitch, you know, kind of up front and at the back where there are big question marks and probably a lack of someone to to really kind of nail down that position. But yeah, I mean, when I look at the midfield and, you know, you see the names, I mean, Adams and Moussa and McKennie, and I really like the way Aronson played at the week. I mean, he's a good player in general, but at the weekend against Tottenham, I thought he was really good in a number 10 position, you know, having played, I think most of the season so far on the right. They've just got likable players, really good positive players. And it feels like there is a kind of, you know, an upturn in fortunes coming. I just wonder whether this, this tournament almost comes a little bit too soon before everything's clicked into place. But to be fair, I think there's going to be a lot of teams who will go into this tournament feeling things haven't clicked and they don't know the best formation. And, you know, often in World Cups teams figure it out after a couple of games and suddenly just go on a run so yeah you never know what can ha- uh, what can happen i I'd, I'd probably back the us to get out of this group with england um ahead of wales i think iran probably the the outsiders but um yeah i'm looking forward to to watching the us because they have got some very exciting players
0: michael from your lips to god's ears that's what i'm saying here thank you so much for joining <laughs> me i really appreciate it before i let you go are there any any projects you're working on, anything in particular that you're excited about that you'd like people to, to go and listen or look forward to or, or read or anything that you've got going on that you want to plug?
1: uh yeah i mean the athletics tactics podcast we're recording on um wednesday just a kind of general preview of all 32 teams and to be honest the reason i'm looking for uh, looking forward to that is it's the first time we're going to record in person for about two and a half years after covid and after you know everything so i'm just looking forward to getting back in a studio that said very nice to do a podcast like this with you as well
0: yeah absolutely there will be a link to follow michael on twitter in the show notes thank you again for joining me that's it for this episode of the Backheel Show. If you're looking for more American soccer coverage, check out backheeled.com for stories on the USMNT, the World Cup, and much, much more. We'll talk to you again soon.